Hey guys, what's up? Matt here. This is another edition of Coffees for Closes, and we have Nick Bradley on today. Nick is a successful fitness business entrepreneur, got a lot of stuff going on. So I wanted to get him on here today. Just to wrap up, I've known Nick for a long time, and we've gone through our own independent journeys, and we've intertwined. We sort of crossed in and out a few times. Yeah. So I thought it'd be a fun conversation. Nick's a cool dude. So make sure you guys stay all the way to the end. Make sure you like, subscribe, notification bell, all that kind of good stuff. And we will see you after the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. Nick, how are you, brother? Fantastic, actually. Yeah. It's great to be in this studio. It must be. It must be really exciting. No, no, because the gear. You've got yeah. all the best stuff. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've seen you on this journey escalate from yeah, yeah. little tiny pieces of gear to all of these. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. They say never meet your heroes, but here you are. Here I am again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, dude. Like, I've known you, obviously. Me, me and you used to be PTs in the same gym. We were doing, yeah, the hard yard of coaching at the start. Um, we were PTs in the gym. I kind of could say that was pretty limited. Early on. Yeah, yeah. Had a great client base. I was coaching CEOs, executives. They'll fly me around the world. I was doing that whole thing with celebrities and all that kind of PT goal. But I could see I was limited. I was still on other people's time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So at that point, I was like, I need to start a business. What was the cheapest way I could do it? I'd lo- my family had lost everything in the financial crisis. So my Okay, yeah, mine too. Yeah, my stepdad yeah, lost his business, lost the house, everything. Yeah. And I had given all the money I'd made playing because I, I played rugby league professionally. So I okay. played for Manly and the West Tigers in the NRL. And then I was in the World Cup for Fiji. I made this money, gave it to my family to sort of stave off bankruptcy. So at that point, I was super risk averse. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I was like, oh, I can't, I don't want to go fork out a whole heap of cash mm. for another business. And I was like, how can I do this in a way that's cheap? And I looked around at community centers that I could refurbish. And I grew up uh, boxing the PCYC in, when I was a kid from when I was age of four. And the PCYC in the city of Sydney in Woolloomooloo was quite dilapidated and I was like oh I could do something with that like I could contribute yeah, yeah. to the community put an awesome gym in there and that's what we did and then I think I started working with you at one point on Facebook ads because you you had a gym and stuff was working so that was the first place we kind of came back together yeah yeah it was and uh I sort of I was doing the, a sports model project yeah and then you and Flex came to me and were like hey and I was like well you have Hattie yeah. It's like, just do what I'm doing. Just do that, yeah. And I was like, here you go. Here's all the campaigns. Just go off and do yeah, it. Yeah, so we did that in the gym and it was awesome. Yeah, and then you guys took that and proper ran with it. Well, at that point, I was doing all the marketing and sales for the gym. Yeah. And then once we started doing the sports model project, I got on the phone with girls and like, oh, in Perth. And then I just started pitching them stuff on the phone. Like, oh, <laughs> we've got this program. Yeah, perfect. You know, and we just took the programs we're running in the gym and we started experimenting. Like, And that was before it was really popular to do yeah, that yeah. level of like high level coaching online. Okay. Because we were really going into a lot of detail more than like, hey, here's a program with a couple of exercises. It was like really looking at this whole person. Yeah. Well, also like you've got you've you've got a figurehead being Hattie. That's right. Who has like the yeah. most legit of credentials. Like world champion, gymnast, trains with the strongest people in the world. Like Big powerlifters bow down to her because she's a weapon. She's a savage, bro. She, she is a weapon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like like people who have ever trained, they're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. She's she's really cool. Yeah, it's really funny. So like we started kind of working together, and we were doing some stuff, and we always like sort of 
crossed paths and had a good relationship. And then we both opened up gyms at relatively similar times. Yeah. Like you were in Willamalu and I was in Bonnet Junctions. Oh, mate. What a rough <laughs> We business. were living the not dream. <laughs> <laughs> I made less owning a gym uh, than what I did just being a PT in fitness first. It's way less. Like half. Like no, half. Like, way more yeah. work. <laughs> way less like interaction and joy. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But it looked like I was having fun. Yeah, no, it's hard. Yeah, like so gyms is a really interesting business. It's really funny. The guy that we just promoted to CEO of Sales Sniper, yeah. uh, being Will, he owned gyms as well. Right. And I think like gyms is the trial by fire. Oh, I it cannot is, think of a more it business. It is such way. good training. Yeah. It is really yeah, good. You really learn how to fail. You right? really learn how to fail because <laughs> you're going like, I'm enthusiastic. I'll do this. I'm that guy. And it's like, yeah. oh, I need, I'm lacking skills. Yeah. Well, what do you think, like, especially from a sales perspective, I think like if you can find a fitness person to sell for, yeah, that is the, the greatest thing. And you really controlled the sales of of like yeah. of that gym. What was your, I guess, like overarching, did you have like a methodology that you were following or were you just kind of flying by the city of In pants? terms of sales? Yeah. Yeah. Like I started working with a sales coach really early on. Like yeah. I realized, oh, we're not doing well. We're going to go broke. And yeah. my partner at the time didn't want to pay for business coaching. So I just like stumped up 25K. And said, teach me sales, Gulliver. You know, like teach yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That's Gulliver Giles. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, teach, yeah, right, <laughs> teach me sales. And then I did that thing that everybody does where I went, like I did a quarter of what he said, yeah. half of what I thought, and then a quarter of not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm, like a few months later, I'm like, oh, what's going on? We're not making any money. And I realized I'm a client. Yeah. Like, I didn't do what he said. <laughs> so I called him up and said, hey, listen, I want to do it again. And he goes, great, you can start. I'm like, look, I don't have any money. I yeah. spent it all the last time. And he goes, well, I don't have 25 grand. He goes, great, it's 35 grand now. So it's, Perfect. You can give me five grand and get started. So I did and I'd started doing the calls. So I'd had the thing where I failed, realized, yeah. oh, I need to actually talk to somebody who knows what they're doing, has a method. Yeah. And then I, I got really religious. Like I had a script I called like, you know, over five years, I made like $5 million in phone sales for a four and a half grand product. Which is huge. Yeah, exactly. Which is a lot. It's not and a 50 grand offer. And this right? was like calling a list. There was no bookings. There was no appointment setter. Yeah. I just called a list every day for eight hours, spoke to like thousands of women about how they were feeling. Yeah, which, yeah. It's a big Interesting. Job. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a big job, but I learned heaps. And then I was a copywriter as well. So I kind of wrote Hattie's like character into existence. I take like what she was saying, the essence of it. Yeah. What yeah. we're hearing from women on the phone and just created this thing. And and mm. and so and then it's really powerful. Like if you're talking to people on the phone and copywriting to a list, however that list is developed now, yeah. it is a really cool experience. Copywriting, again, like I did John Benson's uh 3X VSL course. Yeah. And that made me so much better at communicating, selling. Totally. John Benson's like the godfather of yeah. VSLs, right? And I remember when I was doing the marketing for those gyms and I'd gone through TJ's thing, yeah. which I'd realized was an iteration of Gulliver's yeah, thing. Yeah, it was a take you. That's yeah. what I realized too. That's how I got into it actually. I did TJ's thing. I'm like, he didn't write this. No. This is not his stuff. No. He just ripped it straight from somewhere and, I, and then I tra- traced it back. You know? Yeah, and then I spoke to Gulliver because I bought Gulliver's 10K thing and I was like, hey man, I just did this. Quote. Yeah, I did exactly everything. I did have the same experience. I did it word for word. He's yeah. like, wow. And I was like, dude, you got to offer me something different. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I just did I'm this. I'm sorry, course. this guy charged me less for this. <laughs> <laughs> it was 6,500. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Um, but yeah, and so like then I did John Benson's 3X VSL course, which is all about copywriting, because then I started writing all the copy for the ads. Yeah. And then that made a huge difference, actually having a structure to follow for copywriting. Yeah. And then adding in like, okay, now you know what's being presented to the audience. Yeah. So you understand the messaging better and how to get them enticed, then the sales component becomes much more natural. You know what I mean? It really, it really does, man. Yeah. And like, but like for me, I really like, cause I did Gulliver's stuff and I, I did it really well because I'm a, a pretty 
Like I can be pretty rough on people. Yes. I found as I got more nuanced and into sort of bigger deals and more business to business, I found like that, like it was as a foundation to be able to like, it's very slappy slappy, right? It's yeah. It is harder for the reps. I think. Yeah. There's a, there's a level of like holding this, this level. And one of the things I've enjoyed about your stuff is there's a bit more of a process on the front end. Yeah. If you're a really good salesperson, his stuff's great. Yeah. Well, I actually think it's perfect for a business owner who's selling their own stuff. Yeah. Cause you're passionate about it. Yeah. You and, go, and you want to go there and, and you, you can be authoritative. Yeah. Authoritative. You have this belief in your thing. Yeah. It's a bit harder when people are coming on to do your stuff. That's, that's where it gets a bit more tricky. Yeah. And then like, cause when I was, uh, I became sort of a sales guy and I was yeah. using a combination of that stuff or some other stuff that I've learned. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I think through another guy like Andrew Sparks, another guy that yeah. is, we went through the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we, me and you did the Australian business coaching rounds. Yeah, we did the I, thing. I, I did would the say thing. there's not many people I haven't yeah, yeah. done something with or bought something off. Um, and that's what that's cool because you get these perspectives. And yeah. You take stuff from people and then the, it seems like where you're at, you're getting your own nomenclature and you're developing conceptually like what's yours. Yeah. But one of the things I admired about your process, observing it, is you went deep on the things. You're like, what can I learn here? Yeah. So, and also I admire that you acknowledge people. You know, coaching's full of like non-acknowledgement of where you got your stuff from. Yeah, like it's listen, a, a lot of thing. my stuff is very much NEPQ Jeremy Minor. Yeah. But I have a very different background to Jeremy. So like yeah. and I don't think you can try that one of the things that I think people screw up, especially yeah. around sales, is trying to become the person that they're learning off. Totally. Whereas what you have to do is understand and I think this is something that you probably do well as well with that obsession. Like you need to become obsessed with what you're learning and yeah. dive so deep into it that you understand not only the what, but the why. Yeah. And when I start to understand the why, you start to go, oh, yeah. now I can dissect the thought process yeah. of what they're doing, yeah. which means that I can then start to replicate the thought process, but I can put my own yeah, way that, of doing it. That Venn diagram that you've got that no one else has, suddenly that all of that becomes much more relevant. Yeah. And like every, especially like with selling fitness like high-end fitness like selling high-end fitness is a difficult thing to sell yeah because it's like it's a thing that doesn't exist yeah right? like it never exists you're not selling them a physical thing they get you can't break it down like you say like a b2b sales like you can you can reverse engineer that business and go this mm. is what's missing it's a bit harder with fitness and then you have to sell them something they don't want to do yeah like and then get them to do it and you have to tell them to do things <laughs> stop doing things they enjoy they enjoy that they've done for ages which they're pretty convinced they just do more of they get a better result yeah it's the funny a really thing, weird space i always say with fitness the reason why like all the best sales guys that i know come from fitness yeah well except for anthony's out there who's just a, a straight up like unicorn yeah. killer but like most guys come from fitness one because you get a really high volume you get tons of objections yeah. So like you just learn how to like, if you hear 10,000 objections, like you'll get pretty good at recognizing and figuring out how to overcome yeah, yeah, that's the Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's right? a good boot camp. Yeah, like exactly. That. But you're convincing people to be in physical pain. Yeah. Stop doing things they love, like eating chocolate yeah. and do things that they don't like. And like, it only works if they do everything. Yeah. Like it's such a hard sale and yeah. it's so emotionally driven. Like, I guess, like, what, what are some of the things that you found, I guess, selling that much fitness that are, like, some of the core, I guess, belief structures that people have within them? I mean, they're all mainly belief structures. So, you know, I, I actually get quite annoyed. I grew up with a single mom. Yeah. And as a kid, my mom would get up in the morning. We would go clean office buildings at four in the morning. And then I got to primary school. And then she'd go study all day. And then she did the whole thing, right? Savage. Yeah. So my experience of my mom was, Oh, if things have to happen, you just do them. Yeah, yeah. So I get on the phone and I really hate like people giving things away to other people. Like, oh, my husband won't let me do it. 
I can't do it because I've got kids. I'm like, don't blame your children yeah. if you're not doing stuff. That's really <laughs> unfair that you've lumped like your lack yeah. of doing stuff in your life on your kids. And it's a hard thing to say to someone, right? Like you, you got to yeah. deliver that the right way. But the reality is like you have options. You're not taking them. You could work some more, sell some stuff. There's, I've seen, we've seen people do that. You know, we go, yeah. Look, do you really want this thing? And I think belief or maybe what's hard for them is they really focus on this one thing. I don't have enough money like today or next week or whatever. Yeah. And they're having a hard time going back from that and saying like of the two pitches, the little bit of lack of money I'm feeling all my life, like which one of the two things is important. And that's the thing they get really focused on temporal things, time, money, what their partner thinks, like the fact they're yeah. busy with their kids. And it's hard for them to zoom in and out of that, you know? Yeah. I think like, I think people like, it's like, it's the devil, you know, yeah. And people is one of the things that I try and sort of let people know is like people will fight tooth and nail to stay exactly where they are. Oh, they love it. They, I want to argue for that. Yeah. I want to argue for they, it like that. Like they're adamant. I cannot change this. Like, yeah. like you're not doing anything. You know, it's really funny. I had a moment like a few years ago yeah. when I was like sort of like this is coming towards the end of me leaving RBT and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I was fat and unhappy. Yeah. I was 125 kilos. Yeah. I was very unhappy. Yeah. I just wasn't fulfilled in any way, shape, or form, yeah. and everything was going. I was making. You were having money. the you were having the business experience at that point. Yeah, and I was proper business owner. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember, like, me and my best mate Pat, we were like, "Hey, we're both fat pieces. We should probably do something extreme and completely unsustainable to fix this." And we were like, oh, "That sounds like us. Let's do that." Yeah. And so we bought those MEP. You know, those like it's those bands that you wear, and then like it tracks your heart rate, yeah. and then it gives you points. Yeah, and it's like. One point, you know, and the, the higher your heart rate, the more points you yeah. accumulate. But you can create competitions in the app yeah. where you can see other people live. Right. And I went from like vehemently saying, I am a business owner and a father. I am too busy to work out consistently. Yeah. To working out two to three times a day instantaneously. Amazing. Yeah. And because I had the motivation of not losing. Now I lost. And if you look on my leg, it says outmapped right there because I lost that competition. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. So that was the deal. Oh, the guys, man. The loser had to get out mapped because the map yeah. was the it's a yeah. whatever measurage point. But it was such an eye opener for me that wow, like motivation is everything. Yeah. And like I didn't want to lose to my best mate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he didn't want to lose to me. No. Now he had a lot more time than I did, but now I have the tattoo yeah. right, to prove that I lost. But it was just like holy, shit, like there is no excuse. Yeah. If because if something is of value. I will figure out how to make it work. And I think that, that that is one of the lessons. Like the moment I kind of like, I clicked into gear as a sales guy yeah. that, oh, people just, you know, a myriad of reasons will fight tooth and nail to stay exactly where they are. My job just becomes to get them to make a decision. Yeah. And it's not even to buy. The decision is to do the things required. Yeah. And then like everything from there will sort itself out. Yeah. And that's when I started to get better at sales and, Started. I always had a process and all that kind that of thing. When you hear, when you see it enough times, you realize like it's just a choice. It's splitting at this moment. Yeah, like you're in that like sliders moment where you go down this path or this way. What's what's it going to be? In there's the only, yeah, a way in towards. Those yeah. are the only two options. Yeah, there is it. no like. There's no there's no third one. Like you can't yeah. move back around. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, and fitness is a particularly interesting one because I think you get the opportunity to get a tremendous amount of volume, have a lot of these conversations about deeply emotional things. Yeah. Right? How did that affect you? Though, like, I know how it affected me, and I can go into that. But how did it affect you, like, day to day, doing Look, that many? I was a really social person before. Yeah, love to be with people, always around people, and doing that level of 
emotional sales. I was like, I just on the weekend need to rest from people. Yeah. I want to be on my own. I need to chill. You know, it was a different, it was a different yeah. type of thing. But I also got a real appreciation for what people are going through. Yeah. You know, I, I've been an athlete. I've always been like a successful, more or less. You know, I'd always achieve things. You're I, driven. I was driven. I've been that person, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, the story on television is, oh, I didn't do stuff for 20 years and now I think I want to be a singer. <laughs> That's not my story. My story yeah. is when I was five, I was trying I hard. I worked as hard as I possibly could. It's because I could and I went to university, <laughs> I tried hard, I played football and I did. Yeah. And I started a business and I, you know, yeah. that's that's my story. But I, and I've been around people doing that for a long time. Mm. I've been exposed to elite stuff a lot. And then realizing, oh, other people just haven't had anyone say to them, like, no, that's not good enough. Yeah. Or it's just a choice you're going to make here. Like all that stuff, there's noise, I can hear it. I'll listen to every piece of it with you and I'll handle that with you. Mm. But I realized, like, I can see from where I'm standing, that's just a decision that you're making, you know, like this or this. Which one of the two is it? And I realized that they just never had that. Like, people don't get pushed enough, I don't think, a lot of the time. And no one tells them the truth. Like, they won't say the truth and say, do you have heaps of time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got as much time as everybody else. Do you have yeah. heaps of time? You're just Elon Musk has it. the same amount of time same as Same as you. me, Beyonce, whoever your hero is. Yeah. Even, like, just people in your community that you say, oh, they're getting heaps of stuff done. They're the same time as you. Yeah. You know? And people don't have someone telling them the truth often enough, I think. No, I totally agree. One of my sort of lines in sales is like, hey, everyone knows that business owner that is a six-pack, single mom, four kids, seven-figure yeah. business doing warrior pose at 4 a.m. on the beach in the morning. It's like, what is the difference between her and everybody else? And it's like, she understands what happens when she wins. But yeah. more importantly, she understands what happened when she fails. Yeah. And if you catastrophize failure, you have a lot, much more motivation to, to run away from it. Like, you know, like people don't walk out of a burning building. Yeah. They've run out of it. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll jump off out of the third story window. Exactly. Yeah. Because like they understand that the devastating consequences of the inaction. And I think a lot of people these days, they just, they sort of somewhat contemplate the, the success. I don't think they contemplate it deeply enough. Yeah. Like on the tangible and the emotional, like nitty gritty of, hey, what is it like to actually get there? Yeah. Because that gives you a whole different perspective. Yeah. But the failure, like I hear all the time, well, I'm going to refer, like, oh, I'm going, no, I'm definitely going to figure it out. And I always go, well, you haven't yet. No, and you've, you're six years into not figuring it out. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. when you started, you were 30, you're 36. It doesn't get easier when you're 42. Exactly. Like if this is your process so far, it's going to continue. There's not some way. magical age where you just figure it out. No, it doesn't just happen to you. You just get yeah. more stuck in your, your way of doing things. Yeah. So when you sort of going back to your days at the gym and when everything's not going great, yeah. how, how does that affect the you in terms of like, well, you, you've had all this hard work and success leading up to that point. You've made this money. You've been a professional athlete. You've now handed it off. Now you're in a position where things aren't going that great. No, I asked myself like some really serious questions like, oh, because I, I always felt like I could have had a better football career. There's not one athlete that doesn't think I could have done better. Like Tom yeah, Brady yeah. just came out of retirement. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he just came out of retirement. Oh, what a savage. Yeah, he's, he's like, retired for a day. Yeah, he retired for a day. No, I'm still the best. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you guys. Like, <laughs> you know? What a savage. So I think that's a common experience for athletes. Yeah, yeah. But I did. I looked at myself and I went, what went wrong with that? Like, why didn't I do better as an athlete? And then I said, well, why aren't I doing better in business? And the answer I had in my language at the time was I just wasn't coachable enough. Like, I was the type of person when I was younger to go work secretly on my own, like practicing, mm -hmm. but then not saying anything to the coaches or ask for, even ask for coaching yeah. as, a, as an athlete, you know? I just wanted yeah. to show them how hard I was working. And that's not enough. Like there's a part of being mentored by somebody, which is you yeah. humbling yourself, showing them that you want to receive the wisdom that you're in, that you're listening and you're part of the thing. And I realized the same thing with the business coaching. I'm like, oh, I haven't done any, like I haven't even humbled myself enough to say, help me. 
And people will look at me and go, oh, you're super capable because I am. I can do lots of stuff. But to go to the next level in anything, you need to realize I don't know that. Otherwise, I'd be doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, might, I can figure it out maybe, like, but I could cut But what's the time cost? What's the time that? cost? Yeah. That? And then also the emotional cost. And there is so much joy in saying to someone, hey, can you help me with this? Especially yeah. if they can see you're the type of person that does the work. I've never met a mentor or a person who looks at me and goes, oh, no, I don't want to give you some specific help with that yeah. thing. They, they know do you know what you just said? You said specific help. Yeah. And that is so, because like, you know, I get asked 10 times a day on Instagram, whatever. Hey, I know we live in the same city. Can I buy you a coffee and ask you a few questions? And I, no, you can't. Yeah. Like that, like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. But if you came to me and was like, hey, I've been studying this and I've listened to all your podcasts and watched yeah. your videos. I have one question about this. Could I spare seven minutes of your time and do that? I go, of course. 100%. Like, oh yeah, of course. Because you have been seen. Not that I'm the guru of all things, but like I'm good at a couple things, but it's like, oh, okay, I can see that you have put in the effort to solve the problem. You know what I mean? And That's the big one. You got to see someone's trying to solve it and then yeah. they respect you enough and your time and the level of mastery, whatever, however you put yourself in the pantheon of mastery of this. Yeah, thing, yeah. That they respect because they're not in the same place yet. So they yeah. have to respect. There is this element. We've lost it a bit in society of like just respecting people with some level of authority for doing something. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to respect authority. Exactly. You know, to go, oh, that's great. And then you respect it by showing, hey, this is my offering. I've studied all this stuff. I've tried this, this, and this. I'm stuck here. Can you give me some advice? And who doesn't like to do that? Yeah. And I think like people enjoy mentoring people. I love it. And yes. I tried to explain this because like every mentor I've ever had, for the most part, I've ended up being quite entwined with in business. Yeah. Right, like, like with TJ, he was kind of my first mentor. Yeah. Ended up going into the businesses with that. However, it worked out. Whatever. But um, the next one was Jeremy. Yeah. It was like, hey, I was like, I need you to mentor me. I paid him the money, yeah. right? But I was like, okay, like the worst case scenario here is that he's my sales coach. That ha that is yeah. the worst case scenario. Yeah. The best case scenario is is he becomes invested in my success. Yeah. Now, how does why would someone become invested in your success? Because like if I go, hey man, I want to be a super successful sales guy like you were. I would love you to mentor me. I'll obviously pay you for your time. I don't want much from you, right? I don't want things from you, but like, like I'll just ask you certain questions, and if you would be willing to answer them, that would be great. But obviously, yeah. I paid for the time, and then it's like, oh hey man, I implemented that thing. It made me an extra twenty thousand bucks. I want to say appreciate that. Now, if I start seeding that as my success is your success, right? Then when I ask for something that will make me more successful. It by proxy makes the mentor more successful. Yeah. Therefore, I will get what I want. And like, I remember going to Jeremy and going like, hey, I can run your business better than this. I was like, you need to give me the con and I will ramp it up. He was like, okay. It, it is a crazy thing that, and often your mentor, like there's something about them that they're embodying that you love. Yeah. Like they're the best person to hang around with for a whole heap of reasons because like they're doing this thing that you're really into, you know? Yeah. And that was a lesson for me early on in the gym. Like I, when we were working together, I was like, this didn't work in football where I didn't talk to the mentor. So I just went and found the person with the best business, made friends with them. Brent, you know, remember Brendan Harris that we used to work with? Yeah, yeah. He had like, he, he was basically just pitching the, the C-suite of companies, signing a contract and then training all their top executives, which yeah, is right. a PT is great. He left the gym and gave me his business because I developed, I, I humbled myself. I like, look, I'll cover any shifts that you need. I'll do anything you want. Basically, I'll learn from you. I paid him for mentoring. And I learned that one. I was like, oh, actually people love someone apprenticing themselves. And yeah, I find as a business owner, I'm like, so many people come into the business and I'm like, you didn't really apprentice yourself. And then yeah. you left to do a thing and you didn't really learn the stuff because there wasn't the learning that happened, you know? So it's interesting to see it in reverse as well. Yeah. And I think 
that social media has shifted things. It gives you an opportunity to meet mentors, but it also gives you an opportunity to go, I'm just doing this thing and I haven't really learned yet. Yeah, there's an expectation of like trying to shortcut the process. Shortcut the process. And like almost every, like I don't do a lot of coaching or anything anymore, but I do like a weekly for like the the like inner circle guys and for our guys at Sales Sniper. And like my advice is the same. I was like, you, you need to become obsessed with with the why on these processes. Because yeah. like if you just, like I remember when I was trying to get good at NEPQ, because it's like a somewhat complicated, like yeah. it's beautiful in its simplicity. But the implementation of it is difficult. Yeah. Right. But once you get it, it's like, oh, this is like, I can sell anything to anyone now. Yeah. You know? And I remember like just becoming obsessed with every line in my script. And I was like, I wonder why that's there. I was like, because this can't be by accident. This isn't like, oh, this is a fit. Yeah. This thing has been honed and changed. Yeah. And- it was like Jeremy was closing, he was closing 30 to 40K deals, of which he was getting like 10% comms. And he was making $3 million a year. I was like, that is a lot of sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something, 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 lots of sales. That's a load of sales. Yeah. So like, and, and he was doing it in like 30 minutes. Like the only way you can get the volume is to condense that down to like the most efficient technique available. Yeah. So therefore there can be no fluff whatsoever. And I was like, so everything in this script is the most efficient technique available. And I need to understand why it's the most efficient technique, why it's stacked the way it is. And like the placement and then how to say everything to get a desired outcome. Yeah. And if I do that, then like, oh, I, I just kind of envisioned the matrix unlocking. Do you find like people take the script and move things around and cut out the stuff and they don't realize oh, they have yeah, all the time? <laughs> like, That's the part you should You can't do that. that. You can't take that out. It's very important. Yeah. yeah. It's because like, and like, listen, I'm all for the innovation. Like I've added to the script. Of course. I've never taken away. Right. Right, it's like, and the, like I, the way that I look at it, I, I teach sales for dummies. Yeah. I teach the stupidest possible way to get the best possible outcome. Because yeah. like, and Jeremy teaches the most beautiful and elegant way, and Marco teaches the most artistic way you can possibly sell. I could say that, right? Like, it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea how it's done, <laughs> and I don't You're plan. Not on, Italian enough. That's... I don't ever plan on breaking it down to be yeah. honest. But like, my way is like any PQ for dummies. Right. And so I've gone like, okay, these are difficult questions to ask for these reasons. How do I make them easier to ask? I'll add this in, contextualizes, makes it easy. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of what I do. That's, that's the thing I appreciated when I started looking at what you guys are doing was that initial part. There's no waste. You know, there's no waste in the start. Yeah. And the questions that you're asking are very specific where I think a lot of sales techniques are ask a lot of questions to kind of hone in and then you start to find a path through it. Yeah. It's the surgical part that I think is useful. For yeah. The, the beginning of like those first couple of phases, like I've gone to the stage now where I'll confidently sell anything in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's not like a B2B offering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a, like an enterprise or something. Yeah. But like, I mean, I've sold $25,000 consulting packages to business owners in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just because like now I know, like as soon as you figure out what you're selling and what the problem is, you can get to the problem so fast. Yeah. And then you just link that all together, problem solution, add in some consequence, and Bob's your uncle. Well, that's the all. crazy thing you learn with sales and copywriting, right? Is to start seeing everything. It's like the matrix thing, seeing it from their perspective. Yeah. Understanding really deeply what their problem is. And then it's easier to solve back to this thing, right? Like once you've got that worked out. Yeah. And then like uh, talk about like uh, like a flow state or whatever. I don't know what, what everyone, whatever nomenclature people want to say yeah. is like, I started to realize when I was like, there was a point where I closed at 94% for six months solid of everyone that turned up to a sales Did you call. levitate out of the 
out of the shop at the end. Dude, like I I like yeah. I was two people on the sales call. Yeah. It was me, yeah. and there was me next to me yeah. going like, hey, he just did this. Yeah. Hey, he just did this. That's cool. And I was just like, what's happening? And I like, I remember like when I was closing, when I was the head closer for seventh level, 94% everyone who turned up, I was doing my own lead gen. Yeah. And and <laughs> and so I was closing about, I don't know, like a few hundred thousand dollars a month worth yeah. of contract value, collecting maybe a hundred grand a month, something like that at the time. It was just me. And uh, like, I remember like, if I didn't sell someone, Jeremy was like, oh, do you have any calls? I was like, yeah, I didn't sell anyone. He'd go, that's weird. I was like, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was weird. Yeah. Uh, the volume's way higher now, and I don't think that's relatively replicatable yeah. with the amount of volume. We have like hundreds of sales calls a week now. Yeah. Like so, like it was much more boutique-y, So I don't know how translatable that is. But I was like, I felt like I could genuinely just there wasn't a door that I couldn't close. You that, were really at the end matrix point. Oh man, I was like, what's uh, <laughs> like? I felt like I just unlocked something, and I was like, I figured it out. Yeah. And selling that one person to that one offer, I was like, I had that dialed in something chronic. Um, yeah, man. So, like, explain to me kind of the trajectory that you've taken with your business because started off with the gym, then it was Sports Motor Project in the gym, then it was Sports Motor Project in Australia. Now it's Sports Motor Project worldwide, and there's a whole subsequent series of things. Yeah, so um, I was doing the sales and marketing. Business grew really quick. And the first thing I realized was, oh, we collect a lot of information. So this is like eight years ago. AI was like this thing that was like for the future kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. But I started doing seminars and stuff on, well, how are we going to use information later? So the first thing was like, I need to build some containers for all this data we're collecting. So we started building software collecting data. And then moving through and always in the front of my mind was, we need to have a process for everything that we follow every time. And we collect information about the process as we go. Mm. So with the, the company's always been built in this, in a way like a software company. That, that's how we've always been thinking. With the idea in the future, once we collect this information properly, we can come back and analyze it. Like mm. you can always come back with machines and look at like what have you learned over the time. But the data set, the information collected has to be pure. It can't be like messy. Most businesses are pretty messy with how they're collecting information. It's not yeah. searchable backwards so well. Which, what kind of information are you collecting? Like, what do you mean? So like everything about clients, how they're interacting. And, and there's like, like interacting with our process, how they're scoring themselves, all those types of things. Okay. You know, so we, we're always collecting that because I, I felt pretty early on that there's a, there's a limitation to what you can do in a coaching, consulting, health business. For sure. There's a limitation to the amount of communication you can do. And there's a limitation to how much processing of everybody's information you can do. So at some point you make a decision, you either make it easier for you as an operator, you dumb down the offering or yeah. you can only have a certain amount of people or you get a really big structure in the business where it's like more and more management, more and more sales people. The amount of people that slip through the cracks and leave increases. So you get this the, scaling the, co- the cost benefit scenario to having a really large coaching business. Yeah. Like I would say, it obviously depends on your offering, but let's say you're selling like a standard business coaching offer. Yeah. At about 500K a month, you have to make a call yeah. whether you're going to go to a million yeah. or you're probably going to scale back to like 400, yeah. right? To where you're like, oh, okay, I can run this at a super high net at 400. Yeah. But at like 700, I, I make less money than I do at 400. You make less money and the headache of managing it. You're not big yeah. enough yet to have the team to do all of that. Yeah. So you either do that or you go Tony Robbins. Yeah, that's like right. Those, and, they're, they're, they're your options. Yeah. So and Tony Robbins that. is probably running at a 5% net. Like, I mean, yeah. so heavy. It's, that a, it's a heavy business. Right? Yeah. So we saw that because we've gotten big. And then we're like, oh, there's only three of us. We can't do this. Yeah. We're going to die. You know? yeah. So then we scaled the business back and then, and then started building some infrastructure. And then we did it again. 
like, oh, we're not quite, we're not, we're not there yet. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back a little bit. But each time it was like collecting data about, okay, for another scale, what will we do? Yeah, right. So things that we realized, one, when you're working with lots of people and you're dealing with feelings in some way, shape or form, we're not therapists, so we don't do any yeah. of that work. But you're still, when you're coaching people, especially in fitness. Oh, it gets real. It gets real a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're a trusted person. So we needed a process to deal with that. We built like a neuroscience curriculum with a neuroscientist. And that's something that we've been working on for like three or four years. It's like yeah. how do we support staff so they can communicate really effectively with clients when they're going through mm. stuff? Then we realized, oh, the volume of communications can be done much more effectively. So we, we work with a, a senior lecturer in communications on how do you communicate information effectively as a group to clients and know that it's been sent and received and what's the most effective like packets to send in what order. So those two things together, like neuroscience and communications theory, is all we've been working on for the last three years to go, yeah. how do you have this really transformational experience for people? We realized that like a lot of the stuff we knew was just stuff we knew. Like we'd read some books. Yeah. I was an athlete. I was a professional athlete. Hattie's a world champion. And it's like, here's what we know about this stuff. And instead we took a step back and go, what's the science? And we employed scientists to work with us on that. So that's where we've been over the last three years is building those curriculums around Know, mindset, neuroscience, and communication theory, and then creating software on the back end that will help us scale the business. So we're trying to solve the scaling problem that high-touch coaching businesses have. Mm. Um, and so we're like, we're six months into the AI part of the software build. At the end of these six months, we'll know what we've got. So at that point, we can make a decision like, is this business scalable past three, 400 people? Like, is it possible? Or does the service delivery drop to a point where we have to do either we don't want to dumb our service down, you know? Yeah. But the other reality is, and you'll see this all the time in business, right? We've done so much work on IP, technology, all this thing. We've put more and more stuff in the program, but now we've got to go back and do some hard work around what's our offer. Because what we're offering four years ago was like this thing for this price. We have, a new, we have all this extra stuff and it gets confusing even for clients, salespeople, the whole thing. So I think our work now is to go, let's work out what our offers are because it's not what it was three years ago. There's so much in this program. It's too yeah. much for six months. It doesn't work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And are you looking to potentially like productize that to be able to send it out to the market to where like other coaching business, other high-tech coaching businesses? Yeah. And that, look, with always with the software stuff, if you solve your problem really well, someone else is having the same problem. You know? Absolutely. So that, that's kind of where we're at. We're like, okay, let's see. We've got another six months of the build left. We're testing as we go. We're learning lots of really interesting stuff. Like we can tell now the exact day that people start dropping off in their process, what communication's missing. We're rebuilding programs to incorporate all that stuff. Mm. We're starting to test what forms of communicate. Like you're, you know, in sales when someone goes missing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something going on in the nervous system. Only certain types of communications work at that point. Yeah. You have to have a certain time. And you memes. do that. Yeah, memes. <laughs> because it's lighthearted and you're, you're bringing them back into a process of communication. Yeah. A lot of coaches, when someone goes missing, they kind of hate them because – they're like, they're not doing the thing. You've got to do the thing. And that that just keeps this distance going. Yeah. The difference between sales and coaching is they're paying you. They're a client already. With sales, it's like you're in a process with them to get them to pay, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so coaching businesses, they start to have this widening gap. People go missing. They've got to go do more sales and marketing. And it gets harder and harder because it's not retaining clients well. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Like I, I sort of, uh, I had a really good, I guess, come to Jesus moment when I was banging out sales and in the boxing match and doing the whole, you know, the hardcore yeah, selling yeah. sort of stuff. And I remember I had a guy, he's like, Hey, call me back at seven o'clock. My CEO, CEO, CFO has got the credit card. Yeah. He's down at doing X, Y, Z. Call me at seven and I'll pay. And I was like, sweet man. 
Anyway, sort of tried to suss it out. It seemed very legit to me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. We'll go with that. <laughs> Usually I would try and handle that in you know, a couple of different ways. Sort yeah. of poke around a little yeah, bit. Because um, I've heard that one Yeah, yeah that one comes up. The best is when someone goes, hey, my credit card's downstairs. That's no problem. I'll wait. Oh, yeah. When you wait 40 minutes and they're like fumbling around, you hear gravel. I'm like, what are they for? Have they got a sound effects machine? What are, what are they doing? Uh, I remember one time I was reviewing this call. This guy goes, yeah, man, this is a high ticket fitness call. Yeah. Guy goes, yeah, man, this sounds good. My credit card's in the other room. I'll just go right back and get it. And he was on Zoom. He left the Zoom and then you see a hand come back in and just hit the exit button. <laughs> That's the best. Just a hand. It's so good. Like that's something you want to keep forever. Yeah, that's a memento. Yeah, like make it into an NFT. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's like a piece of art. That exactly. But anyway, so I remember I was I was to this guy and I called him at seven. Yeah, didn't answer. Called him at like seven o five, seven ten. Yeah, and then like he was like, "Hey man, you here?" And then anyway, like. And I look back at him like, what was the point? I sent him an email like disappointed in him. It's <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah, right. like, this is disrespectful. Yeah, like that. Yeah, was... And I look back and I'm like, what? Yeah. But um, yeah. and he was like, oh, hey, man, this is pretty disappointing. Yeah. I actually had a pretty significant personal thing happen. Got super busy. Had every intention to sign up. I just couldn't reply to your calls. This shows me that you don't care about me. You man. care about the sale. So, yeah. And I was like, oh. Snap a do. Yeah, you you are me. correct. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> like that. And then he went around me, signed up with the business owner directly just so I didn't get commission. And I was like, man, that is a, and I called him, tried to get a hold of him so I could apologize, but he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, it's fair. And I think like from that on, I learned, I was like, ah, because I was like, I have missed phone calls. I have not replied. Totally. And it's almost never intentional. It's just like, oh, I only have three minutes. That's a 10 minute conversation. I will call him back. Yeah. I'm an inherently disorganized person, which is why I have an assistant, right? <laughs> yeah. I have. I will forget you exist until you call me again, and then I may or may not pick up depending on the circumstances that I'm in. It's not because I'm actively trying to avoid you. I'm not afraid of conflict. Like, yeah. I have no problem telling someone no. But if I'm like, oh, there's... Anyway, so I was like, man, that was a really good lesson for me. And then I yeah. was like... And then I said, I said, from now on, I treat everyone like my mom. Yeah. You know? And I was like... I will give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I have young sales guys come to me. How do you deal with this? And I was like, mate, just give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And they go, well, like, what can I say? I go, you can say nothing. There is nothing you can say or do that will get that person on the phone besides, hey, man, understand you're really, really busy and that's totally fine. If there's anything that I can do either now or in the future to help you kind of get to your goal sooner, you just let me know. If this is a now thing, that's cool. Let me know. If it's a later thing, that's great too. Just keep me on loop, brother. Yeah, you know what? And if you show up in a week's time and go, hey, how are you doing with that thing? Yeah. And then you show up a week later and you show up three weeks later, the person on the other end goes, oh, they actually, he was interested in me yeah. getting better at this thing. Yeah. You know, and showing up consistently, that's one of the things we see too, showing up consistently in the same way, with the same tone, people respond to that really well, you know? Absolutely. And it's just genuine. Yeah, it's genuine. You're like, hey, I have, I, I have an interest yeah. in you. And I, people always ask me as well, what's the best way to follow up? And I go, well, you kind of have to ask the prospect. Yeah. Like, hey, do you want me to follow up with you? Like, are you cool if I call you in a week or yeah. would you prefer like two weeks? They go, no, 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 a week's good. They're like, oh, sweet. This person, like, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, oh, two weeks. Like, okay, cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to call you in like two weeks. Going to go over some every stuff. time, man. Yeah. If someone gives you consent, like call them back repeatedly. Yeah. And if they don't, if they say stop calling, you stop calling. That's how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like for all you know, like they are having some, like people can be overseas, things happen, people get sick and they really appreciate it when you show up. Yeah. You know? And I think like, you know, when I, when I realized there was 
I had no control over whether there's someone bored or not. Yeah. Because you just can't. Like, there's no gypsy mind tricks that you can no, do. No, there's no thing. You're not that powerful. No. People like to tell you, like, oh, you did this thing to me. We just talked and then you gave me your credit card details on the telephone. Like, yeah. I can't do it. Like, there's no trick here. Yeah. You know, the exactly. pressure you're feeling is because you want to do stuff. Yeah. It's not me. E- exactly. And, and, like, it's just as well, like, for salespeople, it just helps them. And this is business owners in general. Like, yeah. if you realize that all you can do is your best. And like, if people buy, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. It doesn't make them. One of the really things that really me about certain sales styles is like, if they don't buy their piece, it's like, no, no, they're not. Like if you walk into JB Hi-Fi, have a look at a laptop and then go and buy a laptop from Harvey Norman, are you a piece of, I would say no. No, maybe <laughs> Hi-Fi doesn't care either. They want you to come back some other time buy something else. Exactly. There's some other thing you want. You like, know? and yeah. there's also no. This is off chance. There's no such thing as competition. Like, especially not in sales. Like, every like every company needs sales. Yeah, everybody wants to sell more stuff. And if like the pandemic's, in, everyone wants to buy more things. Yeah, like there's just like, an look unlimited at luxury amount goods. of stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, it's gone ballistic. Yeah, since COVID, like people are reaching out for things. But like, you know, there's so many. Like, I was talking to a coaching guy the other day, and he was like, "Oh, you know, the competition." I was like, "Hang, hang on a second. I was like, "How many? Okay, if you had 300 clients, would you be happy?" He's like, "Holy." If I had 300 clients, it'd be, I go, okay, how many people live in this country? Yeah, like how many people are on the internet, man? I was like, dude, you need 300 of them. All those excuses, even like no one's got any money. Right now, Australians have a record amount of savings in the bank account. Everyone has the most money they've ever had right now. They know the government's going to give them more money if they shut things down anyway. Like it's it's a crazy situation where we're like, if things get bad, we get free money. Yeah. So people have money. They've got time. They want to buy stuff. Yeah. It's just a series of objections you go through patiently with people. Exactly. They're having a problem, like they can't get to this thing that they want. To. It's actually one of the reasons why we're heavily pushing towards stocking up on Australian clients right now, right? Because like the US is teetering, teetering man. on a massive recession, yeah. And that might positively impact my business, yeah. Like COVID did, yeah. It, it might go. Everyone wants to go online, learn skills, they'll cash in whatever they yeah. have to try and buy products and services and learn learn stuff, which is probably what we sell online online training courses, right? Yeah. Or it will go the other way. And I feel like your business in like this is my, my sense of it. So there's a lot of get rich get quick schemes on the internet. I mean, yeah, do you get that? I get them on YouTube all the time. All the time. So it they hit me. us up every day. Oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. So that's one way people can go, and I think that's the stuff that will die when there's a big recession. Yeah. But there's a group of people if there's a recession they lose their business or whatever who are hungry and will say, oh, I want to do something to change my situation. Now your solution isn't hey like do this stock thing or buy some products and sell them for twelve dollars or whatever. It's actually like. Hey, you're gonna to have to come and learn some stuff for six yeah. months, twelve months, two years, and then at the end of that, you'll have the ability to have this life that you want. So, yeah, and I think that people in those times of crisis look for something that feels like it's real. Yeah, like it, that's hard. I I completely agree, and that's why like I'm stocking up just in case. Like we've just signed a whole bunch of new Australian clients. Yeah, because the economy over here is doing pretty good. Whether it's real or fake, I, I don't really know, but whatever. <laughs> it's the, the, lucky, the lucky country just keeps on going. <laughs> Just somehow we're just fumbling into like good fortune and money. Just like head down ourselves. Yeah, it just, just works. going for it. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's super interesting. We actually get hit up a lot by like the business opportunity offers. Yeah. And that's a really difficult thing <clears throat> is to figure out which ones are good. Um, uh, it's it's so hard to tell from the internet. It's confusing. Yeah. The BizOp stuff is really crazy. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny, right? BizOp is like, it, it's incredibly lucrative. Yeah. Right, like so. If I was a less ethical, less ethical man, I would have like most of my business in biz up. Right, but like we have to be able to put our name against the selling of it. Yeah. So it's like that creates a liability. Yeah. Because like the SEC doesn't 
Okay, no, like no, it's no. the salesperson who's liable. Oh, really? Yeah. There's, so, like, well, because you're making a direct claim to the person. Yeah. The so, like, when you sell something, like, like it's any claims are responsible for the person who said them. Uh, even if right? you're a representative of a company. Right. So, like, we have to be really, really careful, like, in how we script things and constant auditing to make sure that we don't promise anything. It's like, it's basically like put yourself in a position to be able to instead of you will get this. You will get this. Right. But, like, we, we've, we've sold some biz op offers that have been, like, I have found out that, like, and a lot of time it's like the intent is good. I haven't really met many people where their intent is to scam people. Yeah. Like, and I've met a couple and I was like, oh, that's super obvious. Like, that's dodgy. Like, go away. We don't want to speak to you. Yeah. But a lot of the times, like, those offers can take off and you've scaled a business yeah. too quickly. I've scaled a business yeah. too quickly. The wheels fall off the delivery machine. But when the wheels fall off a delivery machine of a $50,000 offer, that's a fully blown done for you business opportunity. Yeah. That is terrifying. Yeah. And I like, we identified some and we identified it early enough to be able to get out before it got too bad, I think. And be able to like kind of try and mass. I was like, oh, this is happening. But that is the problem. Like if you have a sales force, like if sales and marketing lines up perfectly. Yeah, you can you can grow quick. You can grow People super are, quick. Everybody thinks they want to get bigger, but they're not ready for it. Yeah. We had one client. We got them to 2 million a month cash collected in like two months. Really? Yeah. That would have been a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And like we onboarded close to 200 clients a month Whoa. right and it was like the bills we were sending them were 400,000 a month Whoa. just in comps right and How so quick was the team growing while they're doing this? well that's the problem right right and so the guy the business owner called me and was like hey we gotta stop i was like what do you mean i go that's like no this, like, is, a, this is a machine this is like i have built the, the perfect machine yeah i was like i like as i handled that account personally yeah, right. I was like, I yeah, I was like, I saw it, and I was like, oh, I'm taking over. Yeah. I was like, like that, and ramped it up. Yeah. And he literally goes, "Stop, no sales." Yeah, and they were like, "We are going, like, we need to spend three months of pure infrastructure." Yeah. So they ramped down the sales to be like just a small amount. Yeah, but like that, everything, and made it very difficult to scale it back up yeah. because, like, once you get those ads, once it's in, working and the ads are working, like you can't dial that can't back. Turn it off. Yeah, like that. I even said, I go, let me build. The infrastructure, I'll yeah. have it done in two weeks. They and they go, that. no, we're going to hire internal. That was three months ago. All right. Yeah. Because we, I don't know if you know, so at the end of last year, I bought a marketing company and I bought an infrastructural operational build-out company. I knew about the marketing. I didn't realize Yeah. That. So we, uh, a guy called Spencer Burnett, like beautiful mind genius when it comes to workflows and yeah. like can talk to you for two hours and yeah. then basically dissect your whole business. Yeah. And then like we use a business, a software called ClickUp. Yeah. Right. ClickUp is like sort of like what Infusionsoft was when it first started. Yeah, it's yeah, the thing that does everything. Yeah, the project management. This, yeah, but right. only a few people ever figured out how to use it properly. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's figured out how to use it better than ClickUp, and they've said that. Right. And this is a four billion dollar company. Oh, that's cool. Right. And so what we did is we essentially absorbed his company, mm-hmm. brought him on, and was like, "Hey, you don't ever worry about business ever again. You just do your beautiful mind." Be so happy with that. Daddy, so <laughs> he lives in Costa Rica. I was yeah. like, hey man, do you hate running a business? He's like, yes. Yeah. And I was like, how would you feel if you could make more money than you make now but not have to do anything you don't like? He was like, that sounds like a good deal. I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it was like that. And yeah. we we're and now, so he built out Sales Sniper and all those. And then we bought a media company. So now we have like the full marketing with the Facebook groups, all that stuff, yeah. right? All that capability is now within there. And then so we're building out the capability to be able to like go into a business and then like completely build out their internal operations and yeah. external operations. So it's like 
from the moment a client comes here, what happens? And then all the automations occur. It links back to everything. Yeah. So we built it out and like we tested it at the challenge that we just did for seventh level where we sold a few hundred people in a day. Yeah. And we're like, this will be a really good test. And yeah. then everything's automated and it's like, like that. And it all happened seamlessly. Onboarding of hundreds of clients in a day. That must have felt amazing. Yeah. With no human interaction. Yeah, right. Like, yay. Like yeah. that. And me as the head of that business, I was like, oh, did we onboard some clients? Yeah. Cool. You know, and to be able to build that out and then like all the internal communication and software management, yeah. sort of like what you're doing, but very like nowhere, like yours is like, it seems like it's super like, how do we get the best experience for the client? Yes. Right. This is like, how do we make the CEO's experience really good? Yeah. Right. So that you can run that business with like the slider. Like, for example, one of the things that I said to him was like, I want someone to be able to request leave and press one button. And that activate everything that has to happen for everybody around them. Yeah. Like an email goes out saying, hey, these responsibilities have been activated to you. A report goes out that the person fills in, which is like, these are the projects that I'm working on. Yeah. This is who it hands off responsibility to. It automatically tells the accounting team to set up the, the leave and do all the pro, whatever it has to do. And then when they come back, they just press the button. Yeah, it's so popular. Done. And I was like, well, let's do we have it. Yes. <laughs> so yeah oh, i said you're going to be popular with ceos that's, yeah that's uh like so because for me like i'm i'm essentially i'm the head of coaching company a done for you sales company a done for you marketing company and a done for you operations company so i'm functioning the head of all those operations yeah. and i can't be in there so i just need to be given reports information and be able to have a look and go okay this is what's happening yeah. and i just see a whole bunch of green lights if there's a red light i go why is that one red Click on it and go, who's responsible for that? Click the notification button. Why is this red? They send it back to me. I'm like, sweet. That's a fair enough reason. Yeah. Do we need to allocate budget, allocate time, allocate resource? What do we need to do to fix it? And so then what's the goal? Like, what do you, what do you want to, where do you want to get to now? So well, the, the goal is to create the, the, a really good self-licking ice cream, right? So it's like we're the, the, the next company that we'll start will probably be a consulting company. Yeah. So it's um, like, it's a coaching company for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right, which will be like proper business, like profit first accounting and yeah. all the stuff you need to actually run a business successfully, not like be a month ahead in sales and marketing cycle of the clients, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the other business coaches are. Yeah. And so then it's like someone can come in for Yeah, sales. like just that thing of understanding balance sheets that no yeah. one gets taught, they just get stuck. How many ads can I run and how much? Yeah, like in, in the course that we're creating, I'm going to make everybody manually do their balance sheets and P&Ls manually. Oh, that's good. not using accounting yeah, software. So they, learn, like, they learn what a ledger is and all. Yeah, you will you will write this thing out. You will you will do it yeah. like that the old school way because then you will have a very in depth understanding yeah, of your yeah. business. You, you get a proper relationship with the money. Yeah, and then you know how money flows in and out because money doesn't flow logically through a business. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing to perceive, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it's this weird cycle yeah. of like money in, money out, accruals and cash, and and how do you it how do you put the balance? You get in. to points where you're doing really well. And then all and of a sudden, you, like, no you can hit a week where you got no money. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that, that can send you broke. You know, if you're not, especially like the scale that you're getting out with a lot of stuff. It's, yeah. You know, well, we had one client, we had to sort some out. We ended up taking a half million dollar loss yeah. in a, in a, of cash in, a, in, a, in like a six week period right. um, because of something. But, um, and like that was, we found ourselves with like basically no excess cash. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a scary feeling. Yeah, and especially I had that when you one have time a, where I was like, we're doing really well, no cash. And that's when I, I was like, I need to learn accounting. Actually. Yeah. Like, I thought we are doing great. Yeah, I've, I did the um, Harvard Online Business School uh, finance and accounting course. Right. So it's like, you have to like literally manually do everything okay. and then do all your balance sheets and P&Ls and 
like all everything you need to do, like from simple to complex. Yeah. It was really, really helpful. What we want to do is essentially create like a, like the, the world's greatest incubator. Yeah. Right. So you can come in for done for you marketing. And then if you're like, oh, hey, this is going well, we can't support with the sales team. I'll tag in sales. Yeah. We'll do your sales for you. Probably end up breaking the business because of the amount of clients. Head over to operations. Yeah. Rebuild your operational capacity so you can bump up and scale faster. Right. And then the next step would be helping to raise capital. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So we're getting our Australian financial services license. That's cool. Yeah. So then what what business are you targeting? Like what industries? Well, right now it's like somewhat coaching and consulting based. However, like I think that like, you know, the play is to get bigger than that with some SaaS companies. We're doing some stuff with Lightspeed VT, which is, you know, uh, Bradley's sort of SaaS company. So we're working with that at the moment to try and ramp it up and grow it. And then sort of uh, progressively go after sort of, I think, software companies. Yeah, there's such a big space there, right? Yeah. Because a lot of them don't really know how to make the money part. Yeah, like they've done huge seed rounds. Yeah, huge rounds. They've gone and found money like that, but actually like selling a product. Yeah. And how to connect with the customers. That part's missing. Yeah. And and so like we we can develop all those strategies and all the process around it and like input salespeople and… And then help with like alternate marketing strategies and stuff like that. Um, and, and sort of the goal is to have just like a phenomenal incubator of like sales, marketing, systems, coaching, capital, where it's like someone can come in like you and go, hey, listen, like, what can I do here? Yeah. Like, all right, you're going to start here. You can go here. You're going to go here. Go here. And then we just map the whole process out. And then at the end of it, like we have a really great seven, eight, even nine figure business potentially yeah. that has gone through the entire cycle. And every single business on, like, it's just a huge velocity of income, but everybody wins. Yeah. You know? And so it's just sort of, that's what we're trying to create, you know? And it's been an interesting ride so far. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's an hour. Cool. Yeah. One hour. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's been a while since we've yeah, just caught it's up. It's cool to see where you're at, man. It's cool to see where you're at. I mean, I remember when, like, we first started, I mean, it was just this little thing that you were doing out of a PCYC. Yeah, it it is cool too. Like, because we've been in such a big like IP creation for three years, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, we can we can spin this up into something bigger now. You know? Yeah. Especially on the software front, the big one, the big play for me over the past three years is like, I need to get to software because that scales. Everything else, coaching doesn't scale that well. You know? Yeah. And there's plenty of other people that would love to coach. 500, 1,000 people. I don't necessarily yeah. want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think that software play is, is, is massive. I'd love to talk to you about it offline. But I mean, there's a significant need for that kind of stuff because people cannot continue to spend and have the client cost of client acquisition that they're having in, in the industry. I mean, it's madness. Yeah, and I'm a utopian. Like, I think people get better with coaching. Yeah. So like, how do we scale this out? How do, you get, how do you get more people to have like high-level coaching from people that have done work in whatever of the domains of human excellence or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. More people need access to it. You know, that, yeah. that's a, the utopian part of me. That's why I build the software, you know? Yeah. It's funny, like Bradley, uh, Lightspeed, their like core value is uh, getting the knowledge from people who have it to the people who need it. It's the biggest problem we got. Like the transmission system's broken and universities are too long. They don't give people what they need. Mm. You know, and I think coaching, we've got methods, but we don't know how to scale. Yeah. There's no way that you can like tangent, like a lot of these systems and coaching is like it's just it's basically youtube yeah it's like here is the information yeah 
Yeah, and I'm if a staff have, performer and I'm really interesting. Yeah. That's kind um, of Yeah, like if you have any questions, I'll do a weekly Q&A. Yeah. Like that, that is not uh, an education delivery system. It's not, no. Yeah, so if someone can crack that code, like I think Lightspeed VT has done a great job with like having a platform that is actually educationally driven. Like it's not just a Kajabi, like there's an actual, there's an actual like learning element behind it. But if you can then plug something in the back end of a business to be able to identify the key things that people need when they drop off, why they drop off, and then start to create like a, like a feedback loop for the coaches to be able to actually get success. Being able to measure communication. Yeah. Like, and what is effective? What's the most effective ways of doing it and how do you do it? And there's a lot in that, you know? Mm, super interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by, dude. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the sort of the, the listeners and the viewers. Oh, it's know? been super fun. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you do like this stuff, make sure you like, subscribe, hit notification, but all that kind of good stuff. And uh, share this to a friend who you think will find it valuable. And we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.